Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our Gospel reading this morning, we have the account of the first miraculous catch of fish. Some will say that this reading is the same as the one that we have in Matthew and Mark, where Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, James and John. Yet in that reading, there is no miraculous catch of fish, nor a crowd waiting to hear the word of God. Rather, it was Jesus simply going on a walk along the shore and calling to follow him, those disciples, to be fishers of men. For it says in Matthew, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boats and their father and followed him. Besides the great differences between this and our gospel reading from Luke this morning, we can know that these are different events because in the previous chapter of our gospel in St. Luke, Jesus already knew Peter and was staying at his house in Capernaum and had healed his mother-in-law from a fever. And so what do we have this morning? Why is this in the gospel? Why did Jesus perform this miracle and say what he did? We see in this reading how Jesus is still in the region in which he called those four disciples. We also see that they're still fishing. In the first, they were actively fishing, and in this reading, they were already on the shore mending their nets. Maybe it was because they were not yet fully committed. Maybe it was a similar situation to Elijah's call of Elisha, where Elisha says, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And so maybe the disciples were simply continuing to work as fishermen to support their families until they had to leave Capernaum to follow Jesus to the next town. No matter what their reason for fishing, our Lord Jesus performs this miracle for their sakes, that they might have confidence and faith in him and his word. Jesus had been preaching in the synagogues and healing many by this time that the multitude was seeking him, pressing about him to hear the word of God. The lake shore was packed with people pressing in close, eager to hear God's words from Jesus' lips, eager to listen, eager to learn. It would have been neither comfortable for Jesus nor easy for him to speak in a way that all the crowds could hear, with so many milling and pushing against him at the shore of the water. And so, seeing the boats of his disciples, he asks Simon Peter to put a little from the land, and sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. 
Having moved from the mass of the crowd, he would be able to sit in the boat and teach from it as from a pulpit. He could easily then be heard by all who came to hear God's word. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I wonder how long it took Peter to answer in the way that he did. Here he was, a seasoned fisherman, with some of his companions, when his teacher Jesus, trained in carpentry or masonry, not in fishing, begins to direct him in the hearing of his co-workers and the people on the shore about matters of fishing. A number of things would have stood out to him. First, by this time, it's around the middle of the day, and that is a terrible time for them to fish. Second, the deep was not a place that you would cast your nets to find the fish. The types of nets they had would be used for casting and would only go as deep as the net was themselves. It was much better for them to fish in the shallows in the late hours had they had tried already. As Peter tells him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Yet because he is his master, because he asked, Peter will obey. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And it is here we see the purpose of this miracle. The disciples were being called to follow Jesus and were being prepared to be his apostles, those whom he would send out to preach his gospel to the ends of the earth. Their work would be a spiritual work, preaching the word which works spiritually and in the hearts of men and women. The work would ultimately not be like fishing, where they could see right away if the work had paid off or not. And so Jesus performs this miracle so that his disciples may know that their work that he is calling them to do will be fruitful. Here we see a miracle that demonstrates visibly what happens invisibly in the Spirit. Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John had been striving all night and toiling hard. They had been doing what they had been taught to do and what they knew from experience worked. Yet for all their toil and all their experience and all their knowledge, they could not catch a single fish. Our Lord would have his disciples know that it was not by their own striving or toiling or knowledge that he will give them success in preaching the gospel. Their work that they are called to do will not depend on themselves. They will not be responsible for trying to logically or emotionally convince someone of the gospel of Jesus. 
If they do rely on themselves, they will utterly fail, even though they have a large following and had been toiling all through their time. Their work would be fruitless and nothing would come. Instead, our Lord would have his disciples know that it is only by his word, only by the word of God, the word of Jesus, the Son of God made man, that the work of preaching the gospel will be fruitful. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Through all their own toiling, they caught nothing. But at Jesus' word, they bring in a catch so large that their nets begin to break. And when they bring the catch into their boats, two of them, they begin to sink. They caught more fish than they could have ever hoped to catch on their own in one night by the methods that they knew because they did so at Jesus' word. His word alone is active and able to do that which it purposes. His word alone is able to be their foundation and substance of their preaching. If they rely on his word and his work and work according to his word, they may have confidence that their work will be fruitful, even if they themselves do not see the results right away and even if what they're doing seems to defy all reason. Jesus has promised, dear brothers and sisters, that he will bless his word wherever it is proclaimed. In this miracle, we see clearly that Jesus is divine. When Peter falls at his knees and worships him and calls him Lord, Isaiah says of, or in Isaiah, the Lord says, so shall be my word that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. In this miracle, we see how Jesus' word brings great blessings and accomplishes that for which he purposes it. The disciples fished all night with no success. How could they leave their families behind to follow Jesus if they could leave nothing for them? But when they did according to Jesus' word, immediately they have more fish than they could have ever taken in a single night and then they get, when they get back to the shore, they forsake all and follow him. So they leave with their fellow workers and families a gift that will support them as they go to follow Jesus. In the church, we can also fall into the same line of thinking as the disciples found themselves in. Sometimes we can find ourselves thinking that the proclamation of the word of God the sharing of the good news of Jesus is only for those who are experts, only for those who have gone to seminary or who have done some sort of extra training in the scriptures, or maybe those that have been trained in leadership and group dynamics. This often leads us to thinking that we need more and more programs expertly crafted or great plans that will teach us the five or six steps to becoming an evangelist extraordinaire. Congregations will spend money and time to purchase these programs and hire such consultants and experts. We use the gifts of God and the practical and theoretical knowledge and experience that we have gained in our various vocations to try and do what we think is best and what will bring about the best outcome according to our reasoning. 
And it makes sense for us to do this because, after all, we've seen how these methods are tried and true in our field. Yet the church does not grow through our applications of market research. It does not grow through our meticulous planning or even our clever ideas. This is not to say that those gifts and talents and knowledge that the Lord has blessed us with are useless, but rather that too often we can come to rely on these things instead of the word of Jesus. When we come to think of it as not only the word, but the word and. The word and something to make it a little bit more palatable for people of our time. The word and something to make it a little more relevant and attractive. The word and something to draw people in. Once we add our own and to the end of the word, we find ourselves attempting to bring forth fruit by our own striving and toiling. Once we take away power from the word of Jesus and add something in of ourselves, we will find that it's not really Jesus' word that we're relying on, but on ourselves. But the church's work is not fruitful by our striving and toiling. It is Jesus' word which animates the church and brings forth fruit. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. It is his word and his work which brings true success in the church's work. For it is his word alone and his work alone that can bring forth repentance over sin and faith in him which results in justification, the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. By his word, God made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. And by his word, he makes disciples and justifies sinners so that they may not die, but live eternally. When we stop and think about this, when we examine ourselves and what we have thought and done in regards to this, we can find ourselves held by fear. For we often see how we have relied on ourselves, on our wisdom, on our knowledge and our talents, or on those of other people rather than on the word of Christ Jesus. At this, when we realize the depth of our sin and how far the corruption is within us, we marvel at the weakness of our faith. We may, like Peter at these times, feel ashamed and cry, Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. But the good news is that the Lord is gracious and merciful towards sinners and forgives all who trust in him, even with a faith that is not perfect. Hear the, wor the words of the Lord to Peter and his gracious absolution. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Sinners should be afraid in God's presence. For God has said, no man shall see me and live. Even when Elijah was called to stand before the Lord, he covers his face. What is sinful cannot remain in the presence of the Holy One. When Jesus, the Son of God, made man, says to Peter, do not be afraid, he is granting him an absolution. He is forgiving his sins, because if his sins are forgiven, then he does not need to be afraid to be in the presence of God. That is why, dear brothers and sisters, that we do not need to be afraid to call upon God 
to enter into his presence with a prayer. For in Jesus Christ, he has forgiven our sins so that we might live with him in his presence forevermore. And so being forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord, we do not need to be afraid. Being forgiven, being declared righteous by God for the sake of Jesus' innocent sufferings and death, we are free to follow him, his call to catch men. And not only catch, for the word is better translated to catch alive. For while the nets of fishermen catch fish to kill, the nets of the gospel catch men alive to save and give them immortal life. Fish are caught in nets to die. Men and women caught by the gospel are caught to be given life. And this is not something that was only for Peter, or only for the apostles, or only for pastors, but it is for all who follow Jesus, for all who have been caught alive by his word and have been forgiven through faith in him. This will, of course, look different for each of us according to our various vocations, our various callings in life, yet all are able and are called to do so. Mothers and fathers teach their children the stories of the Bible so that they may know that God loves them and his son has died for them. Those same children, as they grow, are in turn able to share those stories with their friends at school. Young people confess their faith before a boyfriend or girlfriend that they too may know the peace of sins forgiven and the joy of eternal life. We, at any age, can invite a friend to church one Sunday, maybe before a planned outing with them. For those with unbelieving family members, inviting such family members to church when they visit. Even when we no longer live on our own and have moved into a lodge or care home, we are able to share this gospel with others. For example, sharing the devotions from the portals of prayer with another resident, as I've seen many and various times through my visits. All of these are ways in which we rely on the Lord's word as we cast the net of the gospel, that he might catch men and women alive so that more and more may come to the knowledge of truth and a saving faith. May God preserve us in this saving faith, and grant that we may rely on his word, and that at his word, casting the net of his gospel, his kingdom may come to us and expand. May God grant this unto all of us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.